Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at Well, good morning, church. My name is Dwayne, and one of the pastors here, and just want to welcome you again uh, to the district. And we are excited that we are one week away from being able to offer in-person gatherings. And uh, we cannot wait to uh, be able to see faces in this space. Uh, We're even doing kind of a trial right now where we actually have the live um, sound system going. And so I'm actually hearing myself much louder right now than I normally am. Um, But we are excited uh, for for you to be able to come next week and and be here Um, for those whose conscience feels that that it is good for you to be able to come and join us in person. uh, We're going to be rolling out this week um, the policies that are going to be in place for our in-person gatherings, as well as the registration that's going to be embedded in our weekly email. And we'll also put a link on it on our social medias, too, um, for you to go in and pre-register in order for us to kind of place you around the room Um, in socially distanced seating. And so again, be praying for next Sunday. Uh, We are are just uh, thrilled to be able to come back. And so be praying for that Sunday. Be praying for those who are going to be here. Be praying for those who are not going to be here. um, That we would just continue growing together as a church in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this morning what I want to do is, uh, is actually last week I began the sermon by stating a frequently used phrase, uh, these are unprecedented times. And then I began to just unpack how we are to address unprecedented times with purpose and unity. And this week, what I want to do is I'd like to begin the sermon again by stating a frequently used phrase right now that is, these are uncertain times. And by definition, uncertain means just not able to rely on it not able to be relied upon. So again, last week we sought for purpose in a pandemic. Unity there. This week we are seeking peace in a pandemic. And honestly, this sermon is no differently delivered and applied today during a pandemic than it would have been three months ago before we ever went into lockdown. Every commercial you see right now probably on TV starts off Literally, with this idea of during these uncertain times. And yes, we we are in uncertain times. We are. But I find that a bit ironic because it implies that before this pandemic, we were actually living in certain times. And from what we know biblically, historically, and even experientially, that reality just is not true. There's never been a certain time. We may have had the illusion of certainty, but nothing was ever really certain. Are we promised tomorrow? Where is that found? Are we immune to death by car accident or cancer or murder? Are we the exception to the rule when it comes to being laid off or carrying a baby to full term or investing your money with no loss on investment? When have we ever been in a certain time? And the Bible actually calls this type of false assumption of certainty as foolishness. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says this, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. 
James 4, 13 through 14 echoes the same thing. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and we will spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Now, I feel a need uh, I need to make a distinction here between what is certain and what is uncertain. Because there are things that are certain and there are things that are definitely uncertain. So what is the distinction? What is uncertain and always will be uncertain is simply the plans that you make for your life. Those are always going to be uncertain. Do not boast about tomorrow. And come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year in trade and, and make money and make a profit and so forth. Essentially, just fill in the blank American dream there. Those things will always be uncertain. Because the Bible just told us that you don't know what tomorrow will bring. When we were celebrating the new year, while watching the ball drop, no one, no one in that room, and really, probably no one in the entire world. Maybe you can figure out a, a scientist that was kind of behind the scenes that knew what was about to happen. But I would dare say on New Year's Eve, no one in all the world knew what 2020 was going to dish out for us. Pandemic, murder hornets, Australia was on fire, Kobe Bryant dying, blue lives versus black lives creating unrest and outrage among our cities. No sports. And apparently, cicadas are scheduled to hatch this summer. So enjoy the summer while you're dealing with that. I feel like our next series should literally just be Exodus and the plagues of Egypt. But this is our reality. We can plan, strategize our lives, but none of that is ever set in concrete. None of it. Because you're not God. You're not. Now, are you saying that I shouldn't plan? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan. I'm just saying you shouldn't put all of your hope and your faith in your plans. Because God has designed this world to function with us not knowing what tomorrow will bring. Like God deemed it necessary and good for us to not know what's going to happen tomorrow. Really, to not even know what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes or the next hour. God designed it this way, and He designed it this way for a specific purpose. Our circumstances are not certain. And I believe that's beautifully designed by God for one specific purpose. Us relying on the one that is certain. The Lord's will. The Lord's will. James 4, 15, in that same passage of dealing with not looking at tomorrow or worrying about what we're going to do. He says, instead, you ought to say. This is his encouragement to us. This is instruction to us from the Lord. Instead, you ought to do this. You ought to say this. If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So God has a plan. God has an ultimate plan. And in that plan, he's been gracious to give us the opportunity to also plan things in life. 
So I will say, if the Lord wills, let's do this or that tomorrow, knowing that it is uncertain for us what the Lord has actually willed circumstantially. But we can still plan. And for some of us, that does not provide peace. When we think about that, that does not provide peace for us. That provides a lot of anxiety, provides a lot of angst. I need to know so that I can be rest assured. I need this to happen. I I like to plan. I like to budget. I like to schedule what my life is going to be like. I'm calculated. I don't like confounding variables. But this is not how God designed our lives to ultimately function. Do we not walk by faith, not by sight? But I believe our struggle with whether or not we have peace in our lives is connected to that little phrase, if the Lord wills. Can we be honest for a moment? How many of us, when hearing that phrase, if the Lord wills, find a bit of anxiety in that statement? Well, what if what the Lord wills isn't what I want? What if what the Lord wills is not my job search going how I want it to? What if what the Lord wills is me never finding a spouse? What if what the Lord wills is us experiencing loss in some form or fashion? What if what the Lord wills is not what I would will? That's what we are terrified of. So here's my question. Why? Why are we nervous about what the Lord wills for our lives? We are only nervous about God's will to the degree of our knowledge about God, His character, and His plans. Let me say that one again. We are only nervous about God's will to the degree of our knowledge about God, His character, and His plans. Here's what I mean by that. We're only nervous about God's will to the degree that we know and trust Him. The more you know God, the less anxious you are regarding His will. And when I say His will, I'm talking about the entirety of your life. The boundaries you dwell in, the relationships you form, the jobs you work, the families you're born into, and the families that you produce, investments you make, ministry you belong to, all of it falls within God's will for your life. And the more anxious you are regarding those life variables reveals the less understanding, relational, and knowledgeable you are about God Himself. Because what we know about God, and specifically what He promises to be certain for the children of God, is that He's going to provide for us. That's what Matthew 6 is all about. Don't worry because God's got you. Matthew 6 is sort of hits on the main pieces of survival, food, clothing, etc. And He's giving us this visual of birds and flowers. And guess who's not worried about whether or not they will have enough to eat or if they have a place to rest or if they will be clothed? The birds and the flowers. And yet God cares so much more about you and I being taken care of. But yet we have this anxiety. And the reason why I believe we struggle with this is because we are more acquainted with the gifts God gives us than we are with the gift giver. For many of us, our relationship with God is transactional. Our relationship with Him is more like a genie in a bottle. We feel we are at peace with God when our prayers are being answered. 
when we have enough money in the bank, when we are eating well, when our kids are healthy, when we are getting promotions at work and on and on I could go. It is in those moments that we feel most secure in our relationship with God. Because we've so bought into the ultimate lie of the American dream fantasy becoming a reality. And then when our American dream fantasy actually in some way becomes a reality, well, we then begin to think, I'm good with God. We're in a, we've got a good thing going right now. God's providing for me. We think we're tight with God when things are good circumstantially. But you want to destroy peace? You want to murder peace? You want to give way to all sorts of anxieties and depression? Then just believe that lie. Believe that lie. You see, God's will and the American dream are not one and the same. Being a Christian, being a Christ follower, being a child of God is not about what you get from God. It's about whether or not you get God. That's the only certain thing I will ever tell you is that God never promised you the American dream. What He did promise you is that He will never leave you nor forsake you. That brings peace. He promised to the Israelites more times than they can count that He would be their God and that they would be His people. That brings peace when you're wandering around a desert for 40 years. Our ability to have peace is not directly affected by our circumstances. It's directly affected by our knowing God. The deeper you dive into knowing God, the deeper rooted your faith will be, which gives way to trust and peace. And therefore, when pandemics come, it looks a lot less like, oh no, what are we going to do? And more like, oh wow, I didn't see that one coming, Lord, but you did, and you're good, and you've walked with your people through trying times before, so I'm going to rest in your will as you work out all of this for our good and your glory. We're going to be surprised by it because we don't know what tomorrow brings. But we know that we're in a relationship with one who's not surprised by it and who is also protecting us and who's also providing for us and who's also caring for us and loving us through whatever it is that we're dealing with circumstantially. That's the only thing that brings us peace. We would respond with peace much more like that if we knew our God more like that. If we seen from Scripture thousands of years of recorded testimonies of who God is and what He does and what He wills, the more you know about that, the more you will be at peace in your relationship with God and the world around you, regardless of what's going on. And so honestly, what I want to do for literally the rest, I have nothing else written that are my words in this sermon. The only thing that I want to do is I'm going to read Scripture to you. 
Because I want to remind you of what the Bible says God is about, who He is, and what He's doing. Because I want you to see God. I want you to know God. I want you to have knowledge and information about who He is. I want you to see what He's doing. And I want you to see what He wills. And we're going to see this from His Word so that you can be encouraged from testimonies from 2,500 years ago to 1,000 years ago. To, like just testimonies of His people telling us about Him so that we can ultimately be encouraged and have peace in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives. That the God we follow, the God we serve, the God we are trusting in, that Jesus Christ is sufficient for us in every aspect and detail of our life so that in that place, we have no worry or anxiety. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have anxiety and worry about the circumstances that are going on around us. But what we do have is we have a counterbalance because oftentimes, as we see in Scripture, God does not remove the circumstances that are around us. He brings us through them. So He counterbalances our worry and anxiety by providing us strength and peace and comfort during it. And that's the only way in which we are going to find peace during a pandemic or peace in anything that's going on in your life. The only way we're going to find it is by seeing how God has done it before. And knowing that and trusting that and letting our faith be stirred up so that as we walk out today, not knowing what tomorrow will bring, we'll be able to rest. We'll be able to have peace. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Deuteronomy 32.4, the rock. His work is perfect, for all His ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and upright is He. Exodus 34, verse 6, the Lord passed before Him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And faithfulness. Psalm 34, verse 8 O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 69, verse 13 But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Psalm 35, verse 5, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. It's unending. Psalm 36, verse 7, How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. When you hear steadfast, just think certain. Certain is His love. Psalm 70, verse 4, May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say evermore, God is great. Psalm 100, verse 5, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. 
Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. John 17 verse 3, And this is eternal life that they know you the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. Philippians 1.19 For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Philippians 3.8 Indeed, I count everything as loss, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Romans 8, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of Christ dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the slavery or the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. 
But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only all of creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say to all of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who then shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In all of these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord.
That should bring peace to us. That that's the God we serve. That's the God we follow. That's the God who's making peace in our hearts by the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the one who's making certain in our lives that nothing can thwart His plans to love you and to forgive you and to provide for you what you need and to will for your life also the opportunity for you to plan things in order to bring God glory in your good. Now, those who are at peace with the Lord by knowing Him and trusting Him and having faith in Him, resting in that place at His feet, those who are at peace also themselves become peacemakers. This is important for us because as I've always said to you, your relationship with Jesus is not a personal relationship with Jesus. It's a public relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus is not meant to terminate on you alone. It's meant to extend beyond you. So as God is making peace with us, we are also making peace with others around us. We become agents of reconciliation. This peace in this pandemic is not just the anxiety for us of what's going to happen tomorrow, but it's the peace that is needed in order for us to be peacemakers with those around us. And how much more present and relative and relevant is that than what's going on right now in our country, in our cities, in our neighborhoods? Everything I read in Scripture should give way to this response in our life that we see in Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, Give him something to drink. 
For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Church, we, if we declare this morning that we are Christ followers, that we have Jesus, we have all we need. We have all we need for Christ is sufficient for you. That's why Paul is able to say in Philippians that he's, whether he's eating or drinking or whatever is going on in his life, that he's able to have strength through Christ. That he's able to do all things. And that's not dunking basketballs and that's not just feeding the poor. It's not just, like it's, it's all things. Because he has Christ. He has access to all resources that he needs in order to minister and be a peacemaker in the world around him. He has everything he needs in order to do what God has called us to do and to minister to those who God has called us to minister to. If you have Christ, God has ministered to you. Your life's not over at that point. It's not, okay, I'm done, let me go to heaven. There's work to be done at peacemaking in our world because God has made peace with us. And we're resting in His peace. The more we get to know Him and the deeper we dive into Him. Church, we need to find rest in Christ alone. Not in our circumstances. It's not when the bills are paid and when we're going on to vacation that we can finally have peace. It's do we have peace when stuff hits the fan? Do we have peace there? Because we have Christ, and that's all we need. That's all we need. I find it funny in the Scriptures that the times where the Apostle Paul seems the most level-headed and peaceful or when he's either in prison or being ter- tortured or having everything go wrong for him. Because I believe it's in those moments that the Lord has willed for circumstances to happen that bring Paul back to Jesus to say, I'm good. I'm good. To live as Christ, to die is gain. There's nothing that can be done in my life that's going to Remove me from that reality. Christ is all I need. Do whatever you want with me. This world can go whatever way it wants to go. Pandemic, no pandemic. Money, no money. Stock market, no stock market. Crashing, whatever it looks like. Murder, hornets. It doesn't matter. The world can throw anything at us as the world is itself groaning. It can throw whatever it wants at us. As believers in Jesus Christ, finding sufficiency in Him, we will be unwavering. And because of that, we have peace. We have peace. And we can turn our attention from ourselves, as we talked about last week. We can turn our attention from ourselves. And we can turn it to others. And we can become peacemakers. Let's be peacemakers. Father, we thank You so much. We thank You that You're in control. 
I am so grateful, Lord, that you are in control right now. And I'm grateful that as I look to the birds of the air and as I look at the flowers of the fields, I can see, Lord, that you you are good. And you give your children what they need to thrive and to have lives that are vibrant. We don't know what that looks like from a circumstance, but we know in that place, and we find, not only do we find peace, we find joy, we find happiness in that place. God, bring us there, just like you brought your people, the Israelites, out of Egypt and even into a desert. You were with them. Remind us that you are with us and that nothing can separate us from the love that you have for us. We need more of Jesus today. Lord, bring us to him. Give it, stir up our affections, stir up our desires, stir up our zeal, stir up all of those things to push us more towards abiding in you and getting in your word and seeing the beautiful faithfulness of your steadfast love. Stir up our affections and desires for those other saints that are in our body of Christ that can encourage and edify us and, and let us get around them so that they can fan the flame of our faith. And Father, put our eyes on those who are not children of Yours, who are not saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Stir our attention towards them so that we can provide for them the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, so that they can finally have peace in the midst of their sin. They can have forgiveness and rest and no longer are running on this treadmill of trying to figure out how they can work their way to being right. They can't without Jesus. Nobody can please God. Only Christ, and we need Him. Thank you, Jesus, for all you do. May we honor you and worship you in this time now. Amen. Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at